All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate Savile veteran. And I am the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. How's it going? Good. So this is our last book of 2021. I know. We're go- We're leaving 2021 in the rear view. But should we talk about the book this week? Or no? Yes, what before did we read, Erin? No, before that, we have to greet our new patrons. Oh, okay. Well, you said, let's talk about the book. I know. I really led you down a wrong path there. That was on me. Because you were like, do you want to talk about a book? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And you're like, we can't do that. <laughs> what are you talking about? We can't do that. We got patrons. What are you doing? Clayton, what are you doing? Clayton, I need you to be on the ball better with, with this stuff. You scolded me. Scolded <laughs> me. I know normally we record Monday morning at like 8 a.m. We're, we're both fresh. And this is Sunday afternoon at 1230 where, you know, it's a more troublesome time. I'm but, stale as hell. I'll be I'll, I'll admit. Oh, yeah. Me too. I'm I'm out of it. Also started paying my monthly bill yesterday. So I'm extra out of it, you know. But to here's people that are not stale or out of it. <laughs> We've got two new patrons, Lucy Horst. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. The heroine of the book this week is Lucy. Is it in honor of this Lucy? Maybe, maybe not. It's a perfect time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we also have Amy Drouch. Uh, so those are our two new patrons for this week. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. We have um, all of the British Great British Bake Off. All of our recap episodes are there, um, as well as our recap of A Castle for Christmas. I think we might be have one more um, holiday book. I mean, sorry, one more holiday movie coming up, uh, adding to that as well. And then, of course, in the new year, and we're going to try to continue to have uh, fun things for you guys there on the Patreon. So if you haven't joined, now is a really great time to join. Um, and thanks so much for everybody who has already. It's already exceeded our wildest expectations, and we were so thankful. Yes, thank you so much to everybody. There's also going to be stickers available Mm -hmm. those will ship out three billing cycles after you join so not this coming month but the month after i think some people are going to get some stickers which is going to be fun for them nice can we talk (laughs) about the book now yes so clayton now we can talk about the book uh and this week we read a christmas we read a christmas gone perfectly wrong the blackshire family point uh, 0.5 by Cecilia Grant. Let's judge this cover. I thought the... Okay, so this cover is a cover model lying in a bed. It's just Lucy. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of ice, icy blue looking sheets. Underneath that, Christmas Gone Perfectly Wrong with a little snowflake for the O in wrong. And I will say this model was pretty, but looked too contemporary for me. Mm-hmm. I I didn't feel like this invoked somebody who lived in the time that she lived. I agree. What was your take? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I've read this series, the Blackshare family series, and all of the other covers are really sexy. And it is pretty much always... A main character like laying in a bed is kind of like the way it is but they're all 
I don't know. Done like this is like a little bit cheekier or something, but I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that her makeup looks very modern, you know. And I don't love the cover. I don't think it really translates necessarily what the book is going to be about. And I agree, it looks like a contemporary. Mm-hmm. Like I would guess it was a contemporary. I wouldn't guess that it was like took place in the early eighteen hundreds. Because there's no there's there's no nod to the dress of the time because she is apparently under the sheets naked. Right. So it looks more like a it looks more like the cover for a Hallmark or not even that like a Netflix movie. Yeah. Yeah, like a, Netflix... a cheesy knockoff Netflix movie that's trying to be a Hallmark movie. If you can believe there's knockoffs of Hallmark movies. Right. They live on Netflix. <laughs> and the budget wasn't great. Yeah, I agree. No. I don't I don't think that it's a great cover. I think yeah, had she been like maybe wearing like an old-timey nightgown or something. Also, all of the other covers in the series are like jewel-toned. So then having this mm-hmm. be like a baby blue, uh, it just misses the mark for me, especially because this is such a beloved Christmas book. Um, you know, it just, uh, I don't know. I feel like they could do better. Yeah. But anyway, what was this book about? So this book was about Lucy Sharp and Andrew Blackshear. So Andrew goes to buy a falcon for his sister through machinations, he ends up on the road with Lucy, and they have to pretend that they're married, and because they the the their carriage breaks down, and then it's all about trying to get to different places uh, for Christmas, and instead they end up falling in love. And after all the accidents, it becomes their favorite Christmas ever because it's how they met each other. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. It is a novella. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it? I liked it. I mean, I think the expectations for this were really high because everybody loves it so much. Right. And it's it was definitely fun. It was really lightweight. I mean, there was nothing really... There wasn't anything heavy about it, uh, and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't—I I honestly wasn't blown away by it. I'll be honest. Okay, interesting. What did you—you you love this book? I loved this book. I thought I think for being a novella, it's so rich, and I think it tells it, and it's so I feel like rich with meaning, and I love it. I think it's like the best example of a romance in that it kind of is how these people like come together despite themselves and and fall in love. But the thing, you know, I think so many times I I reread books for the podcast that I've like read before and I read this book who knows when um but not for a podcast and something that I've been thinking about recently when it comes to romance is how much romance And the happily ever after almost has to exist within a community. Um, Like at the end, you can't have it just be the couple, but they have to have like built a life together kind of. And 
through falling in love and through making yourself vulnerable in that way, you end up, you end up creating community. You end up, that ends up extending further than just the person that you're like romantically attracted to. And I think this is, this book is such a great example of that because, you know, Lucy is like a very loving and lovable person who is kind, but is very, grew up very, very isolated, which is her father, who's like kind of an eccentric and breeds falcons and which is, you know, falcons aren't like a cuddly pet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and she's profoundly lonely. And then you have Andrew, whose mother passed away when he was young, his father, is seems to be like a pretty cold man. And he feels like he has to be the, the responsible one for his family and um, show them, you know, what a real man is and how to be virtuous and all these things that he puts on himself. And through each of them kind of coming out of those shells and breaking down, they involve the porters and they make uh, who are the people that they end up staying with after their carriage breaks down, but make them, you know, celebrate Christmas in a way that they wouldn't have been able to celebrate Christmas, brings them to a holiday party, sort of expands their world as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why I really love this book, too, because it is kind of showing this is what romance is and this is what love is. It, it's it's sort of all encompassing. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I mm-hmm. can see that definitely. And like I said, it it's not. I I like books that focus on the couple and their interactions and how that reverberates. So this definitely was, this definitely was a, a well done book. It, there's just something, but it might it might even be like just how I I'm feeling right now. But it didn't hit me as one of those books that's gonna like stick with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, were you in like a specific kind of mood when you read the book or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I think I, that I've really kind of things. Yeah, I've been kind of grumpy lately. Yeah, I'm kind of very. I would say I'm excited for the year to be over, but it's also kind of like, well, what a, what is that going to even mean? Mm-hmm. What's that even going to mean? So I do think I was probably not in a good mindset to be reading this book. And I think that does have a lot to do with how you react to something. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think when you're just not in the mood to receive a certain book, it can be really hard to give yourself over to it. Yeah. I mean, positives about this book is that I did, you know, it's the the, the hero and heroine are very well drawn. I mean, Andrew is very starchy guy. Yes. Who does become unstarched. And uh, Lucy favorite. is, yeah. And Lucy is kind of the precocious type girl who is, you know, trying to experience the world. And those types of personalities usually bounce off each other well at least in fiction yeah like a sort of an opposites attract situation yeah oh but oh but the thing about andrew that i do like too is like he is the typical starchy hero but it comes from a very authentic place of him trying to take over from his father and i also like that it wasn't that his father was like a bad dad he was just very sad because his wife was dead, which is understandable. And so yeah. and then he just wanted to be the best possible oldest brother he could for his 
surviving siblings, which is also very admirable. And that's what I like, too, is like neither of them came from a place where like, why is this person like this? Or why is this person so obsessed with like propriety and things like that? When it's like, yeah, I get if you feel like you are in charge of your siblings and you have to set a good example, you're going to take that role really seriously. Um and so that's what I really liked about this. And then you have Lucy, who is basically like raised in the wild and just sort of doesn't have those hangups. And her father is like a very much a phil- philosophical person. So he just is like constantly questioning everything in a way that I really liked. And then Su- Lucy was able to have such an authentic worldview where she's like, if something is if something feels right or if we do something with the good intentions or we know the truth, then like, why should that be a bad thing? You know? Yeah, and I loved that about her. Uh, what did you think about sort of their meet cute? I thought that you would be like into coming upon a woman in the road who with her hair unbound, like all muddy. Like I, for some reason, I was like, oh, I think Clayton's going to dig this. And you just did it. It did not connect with you. And that's fine. Things aren't everything's not going to connect with you. I, I did like it. It was great. I mean, he was so obsessed with seeing a woman's hair, which is. Yeah. You know, I did enjoy that, and but you know, it's it's really funny because I was thinking about it more, and my initial thought with it was, well, that would be great to live in a society where it's so special to see something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, well, you know what? That with that. With that brings restrictions. With that brings the clamping down on women and sexuality and their bodies. And I was like, that's a bad want that's a bad thing to want. But I think the deeper meaning of it is that we you know, we're so inundated with images mm-hmm. of sexuality. But they're not real. It's not real sexuality. It's just body parts, right? It's it's weird because the the idea of sexuality has become so destroyed by social media and you know pornography and things like that that it's everything's become so distorted, mm-hmm. and it's it feels quaint to see a man be excited by a woman's long hair. And if you take away the societal problems that would entail to to tell women that they can't have their hair out, there is something, I think, at the core of that that is nice to think about, where discovering all these things about each other in an organic way as opposed to going on their Instagram and seeing their ass in a thong, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah or a man's uh cum gutters not uh-huh. to be coarse right? right it's like there used to be a moment where you know you would take your shirt off and you, a woman would be disappointed and you got <laughs> to see it face to face as opposed to oh i already saw pictures of this guy with his shirt off swipe you know and I sound like an old fuddy-duddy here, but I think that that was there was something about it. But then, you know, you don't want to restrict anybody's bodies nowadays. It's not a good, you know, it's not a good thing to do. Everybody should be able to do whatever they want. 
Right. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Of course. But I think also th- there's nothing wrong with sort of the fantasy because obviously there's a lot about like fantasy and these books that like we would actually want to have come to pass. But, you know, that's the thing yeah. about fantasy. And I agree that there is something that makes it incredibly sexy to, you know, that like this man would be obsessed with or would feel scandalized by seeing this woman's hair or even I mean, throughout the book when they're just like holding uh, each other's hands or something like that or other like innocent touches that end up being so electric because it's so rare that you would touch somebody of the opposite sex that you weren't like related to basically. And so, yeah, I, it makes everything more charged. And so it's not that we necessarily obviously want to live in a society where women are, are <laughs> and men are kept apart and there's a lot of rules around what women can do. Like, obviously we do not want that. That's not what we're saying at all. But I agree that there is, that is kind of the power of historicals is that extra little bit of like titillation and um, yeah, it's sort of that private knowledge that you would have through being intimate with somebody. Mm-hmm. Which I think does still exist today, obviously. I mean, like, yeah, there are people who like to be more outwardly sexual. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting conversation because there are definitely there are people who are so outwardly sexual that I think there does end up being a desensitization to like just breasts or whatever, because you just now you just see it so often. And it's like it, it's rare that that is like registered as sexy versus mm-hmm. you read one of these novels and you're like, oh, they touched hands. <laughs> Holy shit. You know, it becomes, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I think maybe we're not being like the most articulate about it. But I, yeah, I do. I'm not being the most articulate about it. (laughs) I'm being very inarticulate about Mm -hmm. it, I think. Because there is, uh, it is a fantasy and you can't replicate it in real life, but Mm -hmm. you can replicate it in ways like the way you treat somebody. In the sense of, and not just their physicality, but really respecting them as a person and allowing them to reveal themselves slowly and in a deeper way mm-hmm. than sending, you know, send someone a dick pic or whatever. Right. Well, and also it's just like p- different people do different things. But I do, that is, I wonder if that's why historical romance seems to be having also such a, a resurgence too, because right now with social media and everything is like, you know, everybody's thoughts and you know, kind of what everybody's doing and everybody's opinions on things. And so that slow discovery um, of getting to know somebody intimately, not even just like sort of their bodies, but their minds as well is not, it doesn't happen as much anymore or it does, but it's, it's sort of in a different way. So I can see why, that would then become the fantasy. Not knowing somebody mm. would become the fantasy. Not being able to see all of somebody or having certain things be private becomes the fantasy. Because remember too, yeah. when uh, Sarah was uh, in um, my friend Sarah from uh, Dreaming of You, when she was uh, joking about cutting off her hair so it would fit under the turban and Derek like goes feral about it. You know? Yes. That's a great scene Could- too. Yeah. Um, I guess hair hair is not as no nobody no guys really like I'm a hair guy. But, Have you ever ran into a guy who's like you know what I really like hair? No, no, but I think guys have like preferences for like blondes, brunettes, redheads, and stuff. I mean, I I think yeah. I hear that. 
But like length and quality of hair. Oh, I guess not. Although I do like a good mane on anyone, <laughs> male or female. You do point them out quite often when we do come across one. I'm just obsessed with hair in a yeah. negative way. Why? But you have great hair. Uh, it's fine. It's way worse than it used to be. Okay. We could do a conditioning treatment maybe over Christmas, all of us. <laughs> That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. We should. We should do that. The other thing I like about this book, so the Falcon, and it's like the Falcon and the relationship with the Falcon is sort of mirroring the relationship that Lucy also has with Andrew in a way that I really like. Um, and so Andrew keeps proposing marriage to Lucy just because they're caught in like at various times when they are, he deems them to be compromised or her to be compromised. Yeah. And it's always in that way that it's like the worst where he's like, well, now we have to get married, which nobody ever wants to hear that they got married because they had to. Um, yes. And then so finally he's like, oh, no, I actually want to marry this one because I am in love with her after two and a half days, even though I, he's already been like, it's bullshit. You can't fall in love in two in 12 days. He fell in love in two and a half days. Um, and so he kind of the the thing that I love is like he understands how important this party was for her. This kind of first party she was ever going to have. She was really she didn't know, like, how to be around that many people or how to act or. Uh, to to dance with people or flirt or she just never had those experiences and part of loving her was him wanting to have those experiences so he basically said like listen I want you to go have the party and exist however you were hoping to exist in this party and then if you still at the end want me like I will I know I will still want you and that is sort of the thing that seals it and that he like finally sees her and is the proverbial like letting go so she'll come back situation which I also loved and I thought was brilliant I think Cecilia Grant is very very good at what she does clearly and I did buy them falling in love even though it was that short of a time Mm -hmm. because they were through a lot they went through a lot of experiences that tested who they were and their relationships with each other Mm -hmm. there was so much that I mean there was there was so many situations that they got themselves into where they had to navigate who they were and it was really illuminating to the other person. I think that's the thing too about travel. Like when you travel with somebody, you learn so much more about them. And I think Mm -hmm. the first vacation or travel that you ever do with a partner is like so illuminating on if you guys will be able to <laughs> be together for the long term or uh, friends too. I feel like whenever I travel for the first time with a new friend, I'm always a little nervous because it's like, you know, this could go e- a couple different ways depending on, you know, how we are. Because no matter what, whenever you travel, there's going to be things that come up. Things You're going to get disappointed by something, you know, and and being with somebody and seeing how they react to it, I think is always very illuminating and interesting. So I, you got to, before you marry somebody you have to travel with them that's a rule yeah i think that's a good rule now Uh, yeah did you have anything else to say about the book or do you think that andrew should have bought his sister the falcon for her wedding and do you think that she liked it oh that's a great question i'd say most i would say most people are bad at buying presents yeah so I would say it probably was not the right thing. Would you want a falcon as a gift? No. No? No. I prefer cash. 
<laughs> um, I mean, I, I think that the spirit of the gift was so nice in that he wanted her to have something that she could do with her husband, but that would be her own. And bonding with a bird in that way, I think, is like kind of really beautiful. But um, but I do think it's a risky gift. To, I think giving anybody a live animal without first making sure that's what they want, I think, is always pretty risky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 any living thing, if you buy somebody a living thing, that is a, a risky gambit. Yeah. And especially if she's somebody who's like a little bit more tenderhearted, watching a watching a, a falcon really go to town on a mouse or something is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it could be very brutal. Yeah. Have you ever been falconing? What if I said yes? I Would don't... you be surprised? <laughs> You'd uh, be shocked, right? I don't know. I feel like there are falconers in Pennsylvania. I've never been falconing, but it'd yeah. be crazy if I if I went through this whole episode and didn't mention that uh-huh. immediately yeah now here's the question have you have you been falconing yes okay not shocked by that <laughs> no do i i seem like somebody who's probably gone falconing it wasn't my when, bird did, i never had a falcon when did when did you go falconing well I, on uh nantucket my godfather had a friend who was a falconer and so one, I mean, this was years and years and years ago, but we went out with him and he like sent the bird off and stuff. It was very cool to watch. So I guess was that falconing or is that observing falconing? I, I observed falconing. The bird never like was on my arm. It's closer to falconing than I've ever been. So <laughs> I, I say it counts. Okay. Yeah. I've been in the vicinity of falconing. All right. So would you fuck them? Yeah, I'd fuck them. Me too. They both seem pretty They're great. both virgins. Both virgins. They both seemed uh, very sexy. Oh, wait. We didn't talk about when she, when they're like in bed the second time and he's like tr- going to finger her and he's like, I've heard story <laughs> of this place on your body that's supposed to feel really good. Let me know if I'm close to it. And she's like, do you want me to just tell you exactly where it is? <laughs> And he's like, how do you know? And she's like, well, it's, it's my body. I don't know. Should I feel weird about this? I loved that whole exchange. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, it's 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 nice to be able to have the people, like, fumble around and it not be, you know, like, it's like secondhand, you know, <laughs> to ex- to experience fumbling in a safe way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I don't know, it feels more realistic, too. There is, yes. So obviously, sometimes it's great when the hero knows exactly what to do. But sometimes it is a little bit eye rolly that like, the hero has met this, you know, sex worker with a heart of gold who taught him exactly how to please a woman. And I don't know, this, it seems like more fun and so much more real that they would just kind of fumble around and keep touching each other until they sort of figured out how to do it and i don't know i liked it a lot more and i love too Mm -hmm. after he makes her come and he's like he's like this is why people get married because the amount of power you feel knowing that you can basically make your wife come is amazing and men walk around all the time must walk around time feeling like they have an insane amount of power yeah um okay should we do a goodreads list yeah let's do it uh, 
Books with virgin heroes. Yes. Historical Christmas slash winter romance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Romance books where the heroes are not super possessive, controlling multi-billionaire alpha holes with 50-foot penises and a disturbing tendency towards stalkerish behavior. We have not seen this list for a while, but <laughs> yes. I'm surprised we haven't seen this list for a while. Yeah, I because in, like I would say Carter from the Wife Lottery goes on this list, too. But mm-hmm. uh, we have we ever read a billionaire? I don't think so. I mean, no, we we read. I feel like we read one. Did well, maybe not a billionaire, but a millionaire. What yeah. was that book? Very early on, that God, it was like a runaway. It was like a really young girl. Oh yeah, that book was awful. I think we can say that. And now. he was a millionaire, right? Yeah, yeah, that was gross. Yeah, no billionaires. Well, and also I think uh, all these historicals too. I guess some of these dukes and stuff would probably be like modern day millionaires at least. Anyway. Yeah, but they 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 but they had like thousands of dollars. Right. Exactly. They have ten thousand dollars <laughs> a year. Yeah. Uh, male positive feminist romance. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess what is that? It's just showing that men aren't scum. Yeah. I would say that's true. I would say there's no there's no bad person in this book. Everyone you meet yeah. is a very good person with the only the best intentions and very sweet. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um tall heroines in romance novels. Yeah, Lucy was six eleven. <laughs> no. She's referred to as Amazonian. Yeah. She's I mean, I, honestly, I think she's probably like 5'10 or something. Like, she's supposed to be, like, ta- much taller than average, mm-hmm. which I think is great. I love a tall woman, uh, and I'm all for tall heroines. Yeah. Uh, no more rakes historical romance. No, he ain't no, he ain't no rake. Low angst historical romance. Yes, this was very low, low angst, which uh-huh. was good. I mean, this is why I do think this is the perfect Christmas novella. Um, in that it is just like a nice thing to read. I read half of this like sitting on my couch in front of my Christmas tree. That was lovely. Like it's really a great setting for it. Um, I think that's what I was missing. The Christmas tree. I don't have a Christmas tree this year. You should have got at least like a table topper. Yeah, I know. Everyone like maybe I'll go out and get one. Yeah, I feel like I was like, oh, should we get a tree because. I'm going to my in-laws tonight. I'm going to be there. And then at my parents. So like I'll basically be gone for two weeks. And I was like, is there a point to only have a tree for two weeks? And honestly, yes. I would have would have put yes. up this tree for two days. It's worth it. I love my tree so much. I love looking at it. I love turning it on. It's the best. I was over your guys' place this uh, past, what was it, Friday? Uh-huh. And I was just so psyched that there was a tree there and mm-hmm. presents under it. Mm-hmm. None for me, but still... Well, that's not uh, true. It. Two for you. But you didn't check. Two for me. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, no, I shook them all. <laughs> so two there broken presents for you. There's a few things that were you. glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and also we have like a big bay window. So I do love having the tree on and people walk by and see the tree in the window. Even though I did notice like I was a bit sparse with the ornaments on the window side. But it's hard to reach around. Um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That is cool. I love looking into people's windows during Christmas in that way to mm-hmm. see their trees. Yeah. 
That's very cool. Um, and then if you see someone showering, that's a bonus. <laughs> in front of their tree. Do everything in front of the tree this year. Shower, bathe, read, eat. Anything you can do, you can do it in front of the tree. I look through every window. <laughs> yeah. In this neighborhood, it's a lot of white lights, which I, you know, I am like, if you, like, there's something about an overly curated tree that I'm like, this then isn't the spirit of Christmas. Christmas Absolutely, yeah. is a messy tree that's very colorful and none of the ornaments match because they're from like 40 years of ornament getting and the wonkier the tree topper, the better. Like, that's what I'm about. I have the huge bulb colored lights from like the 80s. I feel yep. like those are the best ones. You know, you just, it. there's something about a tree when it's all just like white and silver or there's like a very specific color story that I'm like, no. Not in the spirit of Christmas. It doesn't feel authentic. You're so right. It doesn't feel like that person really understands the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is putting up some ugly ornament that you you made for your parents when you were six years old. Exactly. And that getting like a prominent placement on the tree. Uh, uh Uh-huh. I agree 100%. And yeah, so we don't have, we ended up with a ton of ornaments because my sister-in-law just gave us like a box of just like different colored balls. And then I had my niece pick out five ornaments at Target and she picked out some great ones. She picked out a toolbox for no reason. All right. We ended up with some fun. Yeah. That's Christmas. That's great. That's a Christmas tree. Yeah. The four-year-old needs to be picking out the ornaments. Um, Yeah. And so that's mostly, but in my neighborhood, a lot of white, a lot of white, and then a lot of like the little colors, which I'm like, that's better, but I would like it to be the big bulbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but that's obviously just my point of view. If you, I, here's the thing too, that I'm okay with. If you have a, if you have like a hero tree, like your main tree, but then you want to have a smaller tree that is themed because, you know, you have a specific thing you want to theme. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. A secondary themed tree, that is in the spirit of Christmas. That's yes. right. That's fine. Like my grandmother used to always have a smaller tree that we called the pig tree because she collected pigs. And mm-hmm. so if you have a pig tree or whatever your equivalent of a pig tree is, great. <laughs> I love it. it's called the pig tree yeah it was all her pig ornaments i know she passed away two years ago and i'm so sad about it always but i'm like what happened to all of her pig ornaments i want some pig ornaments i need to call my grandfather i, I mean i was just gonna ask about that you need you deserve those pig organ ornaments i know i would love those some of those pig ornaments maybe they get you know she did have 13 grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. So, like, I'm cool with spreading the pig ornaments. I don't need them all myself. But, like, I do want one or two for my chaos hero tree. I kind of have a feeling that you might be able to just take all those pig ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to call my bupa and find out what's going on with all the ornaments for next year. Um. Anyway, so those are my very intense... <laughs> And specific thoughts about trees and how some people are probably doing trees wrong. Obviously, it's just my opinion. And however you do a tree in your house is is the best way to do it. And, you know, whatever. But that's just my opinion. As long as you unplug those lights at night. Um, Well, we shut them off before we go to bed. Pat does. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't leave it on if we're going to be out of the house for more than just like a like a quick jaunt. But nice. 
Yeah. And we make sure the tree is watered and all those things. Also real tree, obviously. Got, yeah. Sorry. Got to have a real tree. I used to, yeah. when I lived in that Soho apartment, that was huge. I used to buy the biggest trees mm-hmm. just because I had so much room for them. And it was always a mistake because I would always not get rid of it for the longest time. I'd have a tree until like March. No, yeah, you can't. You can't be doing that. But they were so big. I would get the biggest tree. It was the best. That part I love. I'd be stepping on dried needles for th- four months. That is a fire. Now that's a fire hazard. That's that's upsetting. <laughs> we'll get rid of ours in like early January. I like like 12 days post Christmas is when you get rid of your tree. Yeah. You got to keep it till Russian Christmas. Is that Russian Christmas? Yeah, Russian Christmas is like in January sometime. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, next, romance with house parties. Uh-huh. Fake love until it's not romance? Yes. Out of town romance? Yeah. Nice. So obviously there was more lists, but those that was kind of the gist of the list. Um, and so Clayton, what are your tropes? Starchy hero... Love on the road, fake relationship. There's of course that the the house party, two virgins, and oh, of course, your fave, only one bed. Yes, we have two Aaron, what are only your one bed scenes, which is fantastic. Yes, in in a in a hundred and forty four page book, uh-huh. there's two only one beds. Fantastic. It is packed. That's that's bang for your buck. Exactly. This book is very dense with like everything you want it to be. Like there's no filler in this. Like I'm so happy that that Cecilia Grant didn't try to like pad this out into a full novel. Like it is so succinct and so well done that you never are like, why am I here? Why is this happening? Shit's constantly happening. You're engaged. I love it. That's that's very true. So tropes. I saw a fake relationship. Road trip romance, starchy hero gets unstarched, virgin couple, falconry, only one bed, a sheltered heroine, a bad first kiss. Because the first time they kiss is like after a dance and there's mistletoe and it they don't do it well. Because I think neither of them have probably kissed anybody before and they're, yeah. they're just really awkward. Uh, marriage proposals because Andrew cannot stop proposing to her. Um, waiting for marriage, so they decide to like push off the the actual engagement. Uh, found family community. This is a Christmas novella, and then stranded because they're stranded in this little town. Nice. Um. All right. So Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, my my swoon is a Christmas related swoon. Mm-hmm. So I have HBO Max. And they just put on a few old Christmas specials, one that especially I remember loving, a a Christmas on Sesame Street. Do you remember this one? No. This is the one where Big Bird, where the Grouch tells Big Bird that there's no Santa. Oh, no. And he, he runs away. And it's like little vignette, vignette, vignettes, <laughs> uh, vignettes of mm-hmm. you know people on on Sesame Street buying 
buying presents. This is so old that Mr. Hooper is still alive. And what I remember so vividly about it is that the beginning of it is all the characters at the skating rink, but they are people in big suits. Mm-hmm. And they're not the little uh, Muppets that they usually are. So they're just like giant, almost sports mascots of the Count and Burton Ernie and the Grouch in a trash can. And they like try to jump barrels and stuff. It is the most bizarre thing. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, I loved it so much. So I... I kind of, I mean, I didn't watch it the whole way through, but I kind of skimmed through that, and it really brought me back to, I had the VHS, and we would watch it every year. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it was great to see that that's available somewhere mm-hmm. that people can stream. So uh, A Christmas on Sesame Street is my swoon, my Christmas-related swoon. That's such a good idea to do a Christmas-related swoon. I didn't. My swoon is not that's Christmas-related. Uh, my spoon is for a, a, pretty much as far from Christmas as you can get. It's for yellow jackets. Did I already spoon about this? No, you did not. Okay. It is a show on Showtime. Um, and it is about this group of girls, uh, like a, a girls soccer team from New Jersey in the 90s. And they get uh, take a private plane to nationals. And along the way, they crash in the deep, deep in the woods somewhere, and they have to survive. They end up surviving for 18 months. And so it's, it's basically told in two timelines. So the first timeline is like them in the woods. And then the second timeline is them as adults uh, or women in their like late 30s. Um, so practically children uh, themselves. But um, uh, sort of dealing with whatever mysterious thing and whatever happened in the woods. So it stars Melanie Linsky, who is f- truly phenomenal. And every time she shows up, I'm thrilled. But also Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis. Um, and so it's a great cast and it's just really well done. And it's like mysterious and kind of creepy and but interesting. And I think it's really rare that you see female relationships and especially uh, female relationships of women in their when they're like 14, 15, 16, which is how old the girls are in this, uh, you know, when they're in their younger timeline and how intense those relationships are. Uh, you don't see those explored a ton, a ton. And so this was really great. I think it's really well done. It's really interesting. There's only been like four or five episodes so far. It's already renewed for a second season. Um, but if you're just looking for something fun and engaging to watch. I think it's really, really good. So Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Question. Yeah. How was the soundtrack? Do they use 90s music? Yeah. Oh, you'd die. It's a great soundtrack. Okay. That's the most important thing for me. But it's all like Riot Girl stuff. you say 90s. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's great. Oh, wait, I got to you... gotta check it out. Oh, yeah. For sure you do. 100%. Nice, Aaron. Well, well, where can they find us? So you can always don't. Uh, you guys are wonderful at rating, reviewing, following us. So if you guys, you know, have time, you haven't done that yet. That could be a great little Christmas gift to us. Um, <laughs> we're on Patreon. If you just go to Patreon and search "Living the Tropes." Um, you'll find us there. If you want to email us any suggestions or uh, 
anything at all, just want to say hi, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop on Facebook, which is fun, place to come chat about all things romance and the podcast and your thoughts. Uh, and then finally, we have merch, which is linked below. Great. Well, everybody have a great holiday season. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, happy to be sharing all this time with you guys. You guys are so great. And we hope that 2022 is better than 2021. Yes. So happy holidays to everybody. Um, and happy new year. And we'll see you in the new year. Bye, guys. Yes. Happy reading. Bye. Happy reading.